Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries and our must-read daily newsletter. This week on Highways Voices, we talk about Santa's naughty list, but for cars. When I get the powers to correct this mess, and I will get these powers, I'm going for new legislation, the government needs to be ready for that because I'm coming forward, and I'm massing my army of supporters. When we get that, the police will have the ability to prioritise some of those vehicles on our list. So if a local authority is going to go lifting a few herberts, they lift the ones that mean the most to a community and, and other core activity, etc. With the final legal paperwork for the National Persistent Offender Database completed and the trial of the solution now moving to the next stage in and around London, let's find out more about it and what it means for those who just don't bother playing by the rules. Identifying the bad guys on this week's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations, the Transport Technology Forum, ITS UK, Elkrig and Adept. Alan Wood, the founder of NPED, is our fascinating guest this week on Highways Voices and we'll hear from him after our regular catch-up with Adrian Tatum with his pick of the big stories on our website. The Scottish Government has now set out regulations that enable local transport authorities to explore the bus franchising and partnership powers in the Transport Scotland Act 2019. This will give them more options to improve bus services in their own areas. The new powers set out by the Programme for Government will come into effect on the 4th December, providing local transport authorities with further tools to help them revitalise bus networks according to their own needs. This will follow by further substantive regulations which will give powers a full effect. These powers enable local government transport authorities to work with operators to improve the quality and efficiency of local services through a bus service improvement plan or partnership or to develop a franchising network where the authority sets out services to be provided and the standards to be met. Elsewhere, an innovative treatment to help extend the lifespan of the road network has been trialled for the first time in Scotland by Aberdeenshire Council. A road maintenance and repair specialist, Velocity, installed the preservation treatment Rhinofelt on a mix of residential, rural and A roads across six sites in central and south Aberdeenshire. Rhinofelt is a unique product that locks in the current condition of the road, preventing deterioration. Containing gilsonite and naturally occurring bitumen, Rhinofelt penetrates the road surface to depths of 30 millimetres, setting hard and in micro cracks and air voids to prevent the ingress of water, cracks forming and then potholes. And finally, Herrick Watt University is to be part of the new national research hub that will help to upgrade and decarbonise the UK's complex and interconnected national, regional and local transport infrastructures. The new research hub for decarbonisation, adaptable and resilient transport infrastructure is led by Newcastle University and brings together universities of Cambridge, Glasgow, Heriot Watt and partner institutions. Funding of 10 million has been awarded for the hub for the next three and a half years by the Department of Transport. It's the email the industry waits for every lunchtime, our Highways News Midday Briefing. And you can get it too, if you don't already, by simply going to highways-news.com slash subscribe. And on our site, you'll also find links to our Twitter and LinkedIn feeds. And you'll always be up to date because we are the only place you need to go for everything you need to know. We are Highways News. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. 
This week on Highways Voices, we hear from the founder of the National Persistent Offender Database, Alan Wood, identifying vehicles sought for non-payment of parking tickets and linking them to other offences such as no MOT, insurance or vehicle excise duty. As you'll hear in the interview, it's an important piece of work given the, frankly, eye-watering number of people who just aren't paying their way. As Alan explains... The database is born of, well, I guess it's nearly 15 years of what my partner described as a mild curiosity that led to an unhealthy hobby. It started with me as an enforcement agent travelling residential streets with automatic number plate recognition, looking for vehicles with unpaid warrants for parking offences. And it's only when doing so that over a period of time, finding vehicles with 20, 40, 50, 100 warrants, it dawned on me that this was probably a behavioural flag for other things. Their two fingers to the parking regime could not be their only negative behaviour. So started to dig into sitting there and on a Sunday afternoon after collating a load of registrations and sitting there on .gov looking at tax, MOT, etc. and realised that quite a significant number of persistent evaders of parking offences had direct links to other non-compliance. So 62% on average have either no tax or MOT to start with. And then you go on to vehicle registration status, MOT, and then the cloning, etc. etc. So the concept of the National Persistent Evader Database was born 10 years ago. There is no centralised database of fending vehicle behaviour for parking. It's all held on 500 separate databases, 340 local authorities don't share it with anyone. And there's all this behavioural activity sat there doing nothing, especially when you have a database full of vehicles with no keeper details, vehicles that are linked to number plate cloning or VRMs linked to number plate cloning. So it, it dawned on me that there's a wealth of data and intelligence that enforcement agencies could tap into as well as local authorities. So I've spent the last six years working with a representative from National Roads Policing and I've done some correlation work with those with multiple parking offences and criminal activity and antisocial behaviour, shock horror, striking number of those turn out to be uh, wanted for other things or known for other things. And then the same with drive-off from fuel stations without paying community speed watch data is a strong correlation. So it turns out that these Herberts are, are, are a nuisance for all of us in different ways. It's the same sector of society. And so is all this data in the public domain? It's just nobody's glued it together? Or have you had to do deals with local authorities and other enforcement agencies in order to, to actually get hold of the data? So it's not in the public domain, but it is it is in a domain that with the right data sharing pack, which is what we've just achieved, is we've spent the last nine months with a team of lawyers going through GDPR processes and legitimate interest and all this kind of thing, getting the uh, the legals right. So we're about to start sending onboarding packs out with the legal documents. But I'm only taking in vehicle registrations and offence uh, date, time and partial location. My system won't hold names and addresses and won't hold the full postcode. So we can give a general heat map of an area where we have the worst offenders, but not be able to drill down into an individual's location or uh, obtain a name and address. I mean, my son's given this this system the best description. He's called it Santa's naughty list, but for cars. And that's really what it is. It is a great big behavioural database of offending vehicle behaviour data. 28 days after the contravention, those that haven't paid will end up in my system. And then we, we grade each of those vehicles in accordance with a, a grading matrix. So we create an A to E list. A, B and C being your persistent evaders, more than three offences, or hitting other data sets. And then we'll be able to 
establish and prove to government the true state of our vehicle community and be able to prioritise the worst offenders for enforcement intervention. Yeah, because I was going to ask, what do you do? It's all very well knowing that there's a major problem and that uh, you can you know, sit and wring your hands and say, oh, woe is us for this major problem. But actually, practically, what can you do with this information and what will be done with this information? Bit of a blend, really. It depends where you are in the country. So, for example, if you're a London borough, then they have the London Local Authorities and Transport for London Act. 2008 Part 5 is a piece of persistent evader legislation that allows the clamping of a vehicle outside of contravention and the ability to recover the full debt. And it was the London Council's attempts to correct the failings of the Traffic Management Act 2004 that states that a persistent evader must be dealt with with the strongest level of enforcement. Whoever wrote that paragraph started that paragraph with when parked in contravention. Now, 50% of contraventions or more these days are issued by camera, so they're never parked in contravention. There's no PC on the windscreen. So a lot of this is to do with lack of enforcement powers, and, and that's really where NPED will evolve quite soon, as, to, as soon as the data starts to land and the insights are gained and the uh, incontrovertible data will come out of the system and heat map, etc., We've already started the, the push towards government for this situation to be corrected with new legislation. So currently a local authority, if it finds a vehicle with multiple parking offences outside of contravention, more than 28 days unpaid, nothing they can do about it. A vehicle with a given period of no MOT, again, nothing they can do about it. A vehicle with no, no keeper details of the DVLA, nothing they can do about it. A vehicle identified as cloned, using a clone plate, nothing they can do about it. And the list goes on and on. Trade plates, blue badge fraud, blue badge misuse. It's a never-ending list of legislative capability gaps, I would call it, uh, where the police have the powers but don't have the time, money, resources. And let me put this into context. My research has shown that we are currently looking at more than 10 million vehicles that require some level of enforcement intervention today. If you take into account registration status, MOT status, the number plate has been cloned, foreign registered, persistent evaders of parking, et cetera, et cetera. It's easily more than 10 million vehicles. Now, with only 38 million on the road, that's a pretty damning statistic. So there's no quick fix here, and I'm well aware of that. This is a long-term problem, probably affecting my children more than it will affect me once we get things rolling. But if we don't start to take back control of our vehicle community in 10 years' time, it'll be easier to look for the lawful motorists than the unlawful. If I had any hair left, Alan, it would be standing on end at the moment because we're talking about more than a quarter of the vehicles on the road that we're driving along. So you, you look in your rearview mirror and you look at the two the, the vehicle behind you, you look at the two vehicles in front of you and on the other side of the road, and among those four, the chances are one of them isn't complying with something or other. That's a horrific number. I mean, why am I bothering to pay my insurance, road tax, MOT, if so many people aren't? Good question. I, I don't know, to be honest. Now now I know what I know, and I can't. And the, you know, there's the old saying, I, I can't unknow what I now know. Um, I, I'm worried it's nearer 14 million. 10, I think, is conservative. You're looking at 7 million vehicles with no MOT alone, more than 6 million with no tax. We don't know how many foreign registers have been here more than six months because there's no national database of vehicle movements on and off this island, which seems ludicrous to me. Absolutely ludicrous. We can fix that. It, it, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. In, in the West Midlands, which is a hotbed for number plate cloning, 
there's a suggestion, and it, we can't, I haven't been able to find the source, but a while ago somebody put a report out saying that they believed one in 12 vehicles are cloned in the West Midlands. Now, we know that that is on the rise by 150% a year at the moment. DVLA inquiries around number plate cloning have gone up 150% a year, year on year for the last few years. And we know from, from the likes of the Birmingham Clean Air Zone, five months after that was implemented, West Midlands Police were reporting a 400% increase in vehicle cloning incidents. You put up more cameras, there's more of an incentive to evade. And I think we're about to see that with the ULEDs. Their persistent evaded figures are about to go through the roof. And I remember talking on a previous Highways Voices to Jeff Collins from Accusensus, who's got the technology that checks for people that drive without their seatbelt on or drive using a mobile phone. And he said there is the correlation between people that evade that and people that will break other laws they will speed and they won't be taxed insured and so forth so actually from a crime fighting point of view from police this database must have a value in being able to spot personality traits that could help actually catch other what may be seen as more serious crime 100%. 100%. And what I work with um, a couple of constabularies using persistent evader data has shown that more than 60% of those vehicles have a local force intelligence around those vehicle registrations linking criminal activity or antisocial behaviour. And I'm very much looking forward to when the data starts to come out of the systems, working with the local constabularies and putting oper- operationalising this data in roadside operations. The local roads policing have, have received some of the biggest cutbacks in the last two or three decades. Some of, the, some of the biggest cutbacks of any of the constabulary departments. And I think it's only now that the police are starting to cotton on to the fact that all criminal activity or vast majority of our criminal activity in some way, shape or form uses our roads network. And if you better manage your roads, you have better communities. And I think that's what MPEG will do is link up some of this stuff together and join some of the dots and allow police forces to tap into the database and draw from the database as they need it but also to be able to feed back into the database. So when I get the powers to correct this mess, and I will get these powers, I'm going for new legislation and government need to be ready for that because I'm coming for them. I'm amassing my army of supporters. When we get that, the police will have the ability to prioritise some of those vehicles on our list. So if a local authority is going to go lifting a few herberts, they lift the ones that mean the most to a community and, and other criminal activity, etc. So the correlation is staggering. I look forward to working with Jeff as we go forward um, and to overlay his data with my data to, to see what, what that correlation is. But it's, all of it is a behavioural trigger. It's a behavioural trigger for the mindset of the motorist. And the mindset of the motorist is not just sticking their fingers up at the laws of the road, they're doing it across society. Alan Wood, the founder of the National Persistent Offender Database on this week's Highways Voices, and we'll get down to turning a nice idea into a business after we've heard our partner news. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations Elkrig, Adept, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. The outline agenda for the Transport Technology Forum's autumn updates on the 14th of November has been published with a range of information and debate for local authorities and suppliers. The one-day event in Birmingham will give delegates details of latest policy at the Department for Transport and initiatives from Innovate UK before the six working group chairs covering connected vehicles, urban 
traffic management and control, electric vehicle charging infrastructure, data, mobility as a service and parking take place in a Q&A session. Important funding opportunities will also be detailed at the event, which is held at the Institute of Engineering and Technologies venue at Austin Court in Birmingham from 10am to 3.30pm, with a special invitation-only Meet the DFT session straight afterwards. The event is sponsored by Appyway and supported by exhibitors Clearview Intelligence, Unix Traffic, 4-Way Consulting, Vivacity and Star Trek. The deadline to submit your DFT Special Recognition Awards entries at Elkrig Strictly Highways has been extended until close of play on this Friday, the 15th of September. Don't miss your opportunity to be in with a chance of receiving a prestigious industry accolade at this year's awards ceremony, which will be held on the evening of the 4th of October. You can find all the details at strictlyhighways.elkrig.org.uk. Adept's National Traffic Managers Conference will take place at Northampton Saints Rugby Club on Thursday the 5th of November. This free event is aimed at traffic managers, corporate partners from key service sectors, professional bodies and civil servants. The theme this year is preparing, delivering and managing resilient road networks and will focus on current and future issues facing traffic managers in delivering a safe, sustainable highways network. It'll feature a series of thought-provoking presentations and panel sessions tackling the challenges and embracing the opportunities in the traffic management world. This includes road network resilience in the face of the changing climate, security threats facing the highway sector and proportionate countermeasures, plus managing significant events such as state funerals and coronations. The conference is sponsored by One Dot Network, Appyway, Brightly, National Highways, Star Trek and Geoplace. And for more information and to secure your free place, visit the Adept website. And following the Department of Transport's publication of the Mobility as a Service Code of Practice, ITS UK will welcome the DFT to present at its next Mars Forum webinar on the 28th of September. Ministers will also get perspectives on Mars from across Europe and there will be a workshop exploring challenge statements provided by Mars developers. Sign up in the usual way via the ITS UK website. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com highwaysnews.com. Now back to our interview with Alan Wood, founder of the National Persistent Offender Database. And next up, let's talk about how to make a business out of what he's done. I've spent the last six years trying to get others to build the database. I don't sort, honestly believe, I don't, I don't believe that I should be building this. I'm a kitchen fitter that became a bailiff from Eastbourne. I, I, I'm not an IT expert. Um, and it's only last year that I after three or four serious knockbacks of people saying this is a million quid project, 500 data sources, 500 data sharing agreements, it's never going to happen. Then I thought, you know what, to quote what I just said, I can't unknow what I now know. I'm not, I can't just ignore this. We have to take back control of our vehicle community. So we're launching phase 1A now, and that's with six London boroughs, and it's a per-click model. So we'll blend the data like a giant credit reference agency for vehicle registrations. And then there'll be a small charge for each of those successful results in much the same way as a credit reference agency works. We have 20 other phases planned and each of those have different models for monetization and different benefits to both the police, local authorities and communities. I'm sure by the time we get to the end of the year, that'll be at 25 phases. Every time I go to a conference, we seem to add another, but we've got to start somewhere. So we're starting small um, and then we'll go from there. You talk about 
the fact that you will charge a small amount for a search on the database. What savings, the issue I come across so much on transport is people will have a solution that is a great solution, but the cost falls on, say, a local authority or a police force or whatever. And the benefit is a wider societal benefit. So nobody goes and puts a nice big figure on their income line on their spreadsheet. And so they carry the cost, but they don't necessarily get the credit for the wider benefits that they deliver. And so it's hard for them to actually find the money to pay for it. Is there an obvious saving that a police or local authority will get? Or is there an obvious income source from from fines maybe that actually makes it a real no-brainer that they get involved and start using this yeah phase one is is there for a reason uh, phase one is probably the area of monetization that's most needed for local government and tfl and national highways uh, those that issue under the traffic management act so a pcn a contravention occurs and where there's a name and address that Penalty charge notice trundles along on its journey of its gradual escalation. Just under six months down the line, it goes to the traffic enforcement centre, comes out as a warrant of control and goes to the bailiffs. 70% of all those nationally get written off. If you get into London, it's 80%. If you get to TfL and national highways, you're 85% of all of those that get processed through that system get written off, even after the bailiff activity. Now, each of those warrants currently cost £9. I'm hearing that it's about to go to 10 so by early intervention using the NPED system and identifying that a vehicle has multiple offences elsewhere and the chances of paying are quite low, you could halt the progression uh, of that PCN. And if you stop it early enough in the process, it will save in excess of £15 a case. Now, we might, for example, charge £1.50 for that intelligence. So that's the, the immediate savings. For some London boroughs, this exceeds half a million, £700,000 a year. For TfL, it runs into millions. There's considerable amount of wastage in the process it's a sausage factory and no one's ever really challenged that just year on year it just gets a little bit worse a little bit worse and it's accepted as part of the process and i'm going to change that but what it's coming over to me there alan is that what you're actually doing is helping councils and police and whoever else to not bother because they're not going to get there anyway so surely it needs to be the other way around that actually there's a way of catching more people and get uh, again my my question is where somebody is just persistently as you say sticking two fingers up to authority and ignoring it how is NPED going to help actually catch and eventually punish and change behaviours? Well, formally, NPEB will become a lobbying campaigning tool for government. So, so looking at all those capability gaps that local authorities are just incapable due to lack of legislation for managing their vehicle community. And they want to manage their community, but they can't. So first of all, a lobbying campaigning tool is what it will be. In the meantime, whilst we're getting heading towards new legislation and correcting some of this what I believe is 40 years of mismanagement of our vehicle community. We'll work with each constabulary and each local authority to, to go after these worst offenders in different ways. So if the vehicle is untaxed, then there are devolved powers from the DVLA we can use. If they're inside the M25, we've got the London Local Authorities Act. There are still powers within the Traffic Management Act as long as it's parked in contravention. So you know, there are other agencies that have interest in these vehicles. If we've got the data set, sets together, 
we can do road, road partner up with the police and do roadside operations targeting these vehicles. So we'll do what we can with limited legislation and limited powers. It's certainly not a case of, well, the worst of it, we'll just leave them because we're not. We're going to go after them, but they'll have to be quite in a clever way. We have so many different types of listener here on Highways Voices from local authorities, police forces, consultants, suppliers. There's a, a range within the transport in industry that enjoys listening to these. And I'm sure they'll be fascinated by hearing what you have to say. Who do you need to get involved in working with you? I think we're at a point now where we're about to have the incontrovertible data, there'll be nowhere nowhere to hide. All plausible deniability is about to be removed and, and we'll probably identify there's a, some element of the stats are not entirely correct because they're taken from the strategic road network, not from communities. My data comes from communities. We're about to put a heat map on it. We're about to establish the scale of it. So I think now it's really a time that NPEN is about bringing public and private parking together as one voice and us all coming together as one voice, because this affects everyone. Everyone listening to this podcast will be directly affected by the outcome of the data from NPED, identifying the worst in society, the worst worst offenders in society. It protects the lawful motorist and gives us a chance to do. And, and I think that's the key here is we want to take some of these vehicles off the road. We're going to change the way we interact with the public through the parking sector. Permit applications, for example, more than a million permits and dispensations are issued every year. Most local authorities, most issuing authorities don't ask for any evidence of vehicle compliance. You know, I can show you examples of seven years, a vehicle, a vehicle that's had a resident permit for seven years, and it's no OT for five. That makes no sense to me for a zero cost check to, to either party. This motorist has been soft nudged back into compliance. And the tutelage program has proven percent of motorists will bring themselves up to date pretty quickly. That means we can leave us with the 20% that just don't want to. What we're after now is ministerial support, high-level government support, somebody to pick up the baton. Maybe put this in a manifesto for Conservatives going forward or Labour going forward. This is too important for us to ignore now. I ran a story a couple of weeks ago on Highways News about blue badge enforcement. Tom Gallagher of Lambeth Council was saying that only a handful of local authorities are actually creating most of the fines for blue badge misuse. Is it a case of working with the willing, first of all, or making it easier for the other authorities to actually throw resources at it? Uh, Which is going to be the quick win? A bit of both, Paul, to be honest. It's uh, working with the willing. I mean, Tom Gallagher, as you're sure you can imagine, most people wouldn't want to be locked in a lift with the pair of us. He's passionate. I'm passionate. We have similar direction of travel. We don't like to see people get away with it and people are taking the mickey. Uh, One of the phases of MPED, as I'm sure you'll be surprised to hear, is a a blue badge uh, initiative. One of the elements of the new legislation I'll be pushing for is the ability for local authorities to be able to seize the vehicle if they can identify a fraudulent or stolen badge is being used. Those powers currently don't exist. If you have those powers, then I think you'd have a lot of local authorities uh, would start to, to, to investigate that use. The reason that only four or five local authorities do any form of blue badge enforcement is because it's clunky, it's time consuming and it's costly. And you're there to fix it. Alan, we're out of time now, but this has been a fascinating conversation. Uh, We'll keep up to date on Highways News 
with how you're getting on with the actual launch and the legislation and so forth. And we'll get you back on sometime next year to get a progress report and uh, we'll keep a very active eye on um, on how NPED is coming along. Thank you, Paul, and thank you for your support. And we'll keep you up to date with the progress of this on Highways News, of course. That's Alan Wood, founder of the National Persistent Offender Database, our guest this week on Highways Voices. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. We're almost out of time, but before we go, let's do what we always do and tip our hat to somebody or some people doing amazing things in our industry. Yep, it's time for Adrian's Accolade. And my accolade this week goes to the team at TFL. They have accelerated the rollout of 20 mile an hour speed limits on their roads. And that will be by 2024 with a further 140 kilometres, including 37 town locations, will have a 20 mile an hour speed limit by them. Lower speed limits play a crucial role in the Mayor's Vision Zero plan to eliminate deaths and serious injury on the transport network. Far to work in our capital city and worthy winners of my accolade this week and that will do it for this week's highways voices i'm off to the jct traffic signals symposium now and we'll report on that for next week's program see you in nottingham if you're there but either way i'll join you next week for another highways voices highways voices join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry 